You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Get the McButt Sex. <laughs> Selling, it's like right next to the BTS meal. In fact, some people confuse the two. Just a quick content warning that since this episode is about Dear Evan Hansen, we discuss themes like suicide and sexual assault throughout this episode. Hello and welcome to the Too Much Exposition podcast. I'm your co-host, Gabriella Day. Joining me, your co-host, Brendan Henderson, and special guest, Jess McAnally. Um, I'm legitimately just convinced that the two of you are clones of one another, so it's really weird speaking with you both. There's a running gag on our show that he's my evil twin. Uh (laughs) Well, you know, I never really noticed it until I... I never really notice it until I see the videos next to each other. Because when we record this, we do it with like a video chat, which no one else yes. can see. I'm naked right now. Oh, um, yeah. But... I mean, Jess is here. Of course you're naked. <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. naked too. Um, what we're doing after this, we, we didn't change our plans. <laughs> Tell me, dear listener, are you naked? If not, get naked for a very naked edition of oh, Too Much Exposition. No, this I can confirm is... that Brent is naked when he listens to musicals with cheese. He has told us that. <laughs> um, this is an episode about a teen-related musical. Please keep your clothes on to avoid any loss. A, a teen-related musical starring a dude who looks like he's 45. Ooh, mm-hmm. so we're just... Uh, Jess, tell the people who you are. For the love of God, can we focus for a moment? <laughs> no, not one of This is the theater podcast about nothing. If it was one Thank of us, it would be fine, but... This is going to be a challenge. Yes, it's like <laughs> crawling children into like a little playpen. Um, I host a podcast called Musicals with Cheese. Um, probably no one's ever heard of it. It's not very well known. It's this really, really dumb podcast where I try to convince my friend to like musical theater. I know you think it sounds like that, that other one you're thinking of. It's not that one. We came first. Um, but we our, our gimmick is that we make them, like I make him figure out a cheese that would go along with that musical because, you know, we're dumb. Um, Brendan's guessed wow. it a couple times. He can confirm. That- very dumb dumb show it's i'll never forget the first episode that we did and it was just off the rails from probably minute two so (laughs) um can i just already give dear evan hansen like a can i rate it like cheddar cheese or american cheese because it's just basic (laughs) wow basic wow is that where we're going you're bringing in the hot takes at minute four i'm bringing in the hot takes at at, uh thanks everybody for listening we're now that's the end of the episode short episode thank you we've we've reached the cheese rating we've made it we're done you know i will say there wasn't much exposition in that (laughs) i'm a little disappointed I think we called the podcast too much exposition because we can never get to the fucking point. That's actually pretty good. We should change the tagline. A podcast where we can't get to the fucking point. It's not the podcast about nothing. Just uh, can't. Now a part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Yeah. Can't get to the fucking point. <laughs> but Jesse, I needed to ask you. So how did you start Musicals with Cheese? How did you, how did you just decide, hey, I want to do this? It has been a premise that I had sat on for like four years before I actually did it. And it had a couple variations where it wasn't Andrew, um, where it was like other people, where I was like, this is a good enough premise where I think I could have fun doing it and I haven't seen it before. Um, 
And then I kept pitching it to other people and they didn't do it. And so Andrew was your rebound guy. That's what I He was hearing. not my rebound wow. guy. He was always my ideal pick, but he's always a very busy dude. Um so I sat him down and we watched the 2016 Tonys with Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, no. And every time, after every performance, he would just say, like, this is so cheesy. I'd give that one Swiss. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey. After every performance. <laughs> and I was like, that's so fucking brilliant. That's, that like, enough sis. to base a podcast off of. You're like, well, this was and a stupid just... afternoon we had. Let's turn it into a podcast. And it was literally just like that, where I'm like, we, there's a title, there's a premise, there's a rating system. Like, that's more than most people have by episode one and so we rolled that out it started off as youtube videos um which we're now kind of bringing back um before it became the audio format and now we've done it for like a hundred or 150 ish episodes um and we haven't missed a week since we started which i will say is one of our few crowning achievements that's crazy you know jess this is only our third episode of too much exposition and we're considering quitting it's just you know brendan and i have such a volatile relationship we just i don't know if this is you too this is news to this is (laughs) news to me i just so i'm just so oblivious i'm like everything's great everything's fine i didn't know we were quitting i just show up next week and it's just me it's just you uh, I'll just let you record into the void. What's new? Um, okay, so <laughs> we're going to talk about Dear Evan Hansen for a lot of reasons. Yes. I think the the particular reason is that we're doing a focus on the Wait in the Wings YouTube channel about the Broadway renaissance that was happening on Broadway right before it shut down. And we will see if it continues when Broadway reopens. So who's to say? Mrs. Doubtfire the musical is going to bring it back. I don't know what you're thinking. Uh, yeah, I but mean, it's going to be that one. Who's to say you're wrong? Mm. Um, and Dear Evan Hansen, I think, is a very important puzzle piece into that Broadway renaissance, so I wanted to discuss it for that reasons, but also, spoiler alert, Jess, I know you hate Dear Evan Hansen a lot, and Brendan, you also have feelings, yeah. and I'm pretty neutral on this topic, but before we get into it, what what do you know about this musical? Does someone want to intro it, or do you want me to intro it? That's gotta it be, that's, concise? I, I want to do, I want to do like what you've done the last two weeks, uh, but we're gonna do it with Jess as as our first as our first guest. You get this uh, you get this privilege of I want you to recap Dear Evan Hansen in what was it thirty seconds? And I gave you forty five seconds for Hades Town. Forty five seconds. Forty five so, seconds. I could do. Okay. I could do forty five. Se- I All might right. have some time. Okay, Brendan, okay. you'll have a timer. I've, Jess, I've can you explain to us the plot of Dear Evan Hansen in forty five seconds? Are you gonna give me a countdown or do I just start? Yeah, we'll go three, two, one, bash. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Three, two, one, bash. This motherfucker, Evan Hansen, is up here and he's just like, man, I'm so sad. I got this broken ass arm. His mom's like, yo, your therapist said you haven't been writing these goddamn letters. You gotta better go to school and write this on a Word document computer at school and make sure that you have this letter written. So he goes to school, gets beaten up by this kid named Connor, who he's also thirsting after the sister of, and then he's like, man, it hasn't been that good a day after all. He writes his letter to himself like, man, today sucks. And also, this girl's so fucking hot. 10 seconds the brother comes in connor and he's like motherfucker he kills himself (laughs) shit goes wrong and then everything falls apart he lies a lot because he's a lying motherfucker i hope that dear evan hansen fails when it becomes a movie because people need to know this is problematic as hell that's time (laughs) bravo that was um that was something how many seconds does it take brendan that took 45 seconds 0.64 so right on it it's always so funny with this timing thing because it's like really detailed for the first 30 seconds yes. and then that last 10 <laughs> seconds. So we got like a really good rundown of act one and then it's just like one act two. And then the rest happens. Too mu- That's too much exposition for you. <laughs> The thing is, it is more accurate than the playbill description of Dear Evan Hansen, which is, a boy gets caught in a whirlwind event when a tragedy strikes and it changes his life forever. I love (laughs) that you have that memorized. I just... You, Jess, are exactly... You're like the girl who's like, oh my god, like I hate that guy. Like He's so annoying and you're secretly in love with him. I feel like you're just secretly in love with Dear Evan Hansen. That's the situation. I wish I was. I wish I was, because at least then I could actually have some kind of feeling that wasn't just bile and hatred toward it. 
And also, you've talked about this so many times in podcast form before. So thank you for talking yes, about have. it once again. <laughs> with us. The thing is, when my podcast, I'm mostly trying to go to Andrew into saying funny things. And here I can actually just have an opinion. So this is fun. <laughs> I feel like your relationship with Dear Evan Hansen is a lot like my relationship with The Last Jedi. Which is where you really like want to understand it, but you just can't. You haven't even seen the movie since theater, so I tried I've watched Jeremy Hansen within the last week. I um, I watched it. I watched it on Netflix, and I got like twenty minutes in, and then I was like, "Yeah, I can't." Oh, so you can't even make it through? I can't do it again. Okay, actual Dear Evan Hansen. It opened on Broadway in December 2016 after tryouts in Washington D.C. and off Broadway. It was nominated for nine Tony Awards, and it won. Six of them, including Best Musical, which we will talk about. Ben Platt originated the role of Evan Hansen and left the show 11 months after its opening on Broadway. Following him were Nepotism Daddy. (laughs) Noah Galvin, Taylor Trench, Andrew Andrew Barth Feldman, Jordan Fisher, um, who will be coming back as Evan Evan Hansen when it reopens. As Dear Evan Hansen. Imagine his that's just a three name, like Andrew Barth Feldman. My name is Dear Evan Hansen. My name is Dear is actually that's actually his first name. Is that what video is that? That like have you ever seen that video where he's like, Yeah, and Ben Platt who plays deer just does a great job with <laughs> That's it. That's right. I just did this. <laughs> I was just going to cut out my mistake, is. but now we have to leave it in. Now it's a Yay. <laughs> and that's Funniest how I mess up planet. every podcast I'm on. Um, the film adaptation is set to premiere this fall, 2021. Ben Platt will be reprising his role as Deer, and it will be directed by <laughs> Stephen Chbosky, who wrote uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower and also directed that movie. So I have feelings about him. Boys, are you ready for some trivia? <clears throat> Not I hope so. Oh, my God. Cracking. Are you ready for is that some why trivia? We were, that's, she's actually been up since like 9 a.m., but she's just been chain smoking out back. Just like, God, I have to deal with um, this. Gabby, can you do that again? But I need a little bit more rasp in your voice. Are you ready for some trivia? Oh, my God. We need a good medium between those Are you two. ready for some trivia? Perfect! That, we got that it! That was the worst one. Well, that's I, a wrap. No, I'm trying really hard to hide my hangover voice, but I can, <clears throat> I can talk down here if you guys want me to, because this is just where I'm the most comfortable. Yeah, let's get in let's get into I, some. I literally some spent this entire podcast screaming and I'm like, why does my voice hurt after why does I do my podcasts? Voice hurt? Um, We're not even that right. far in yet, people. <laughs> Jess and Brendan, can you name all the shows that were also nominated for Best Musical Tony, m- the Best Musical Tony in 2017? Um, is this like a tag team where I get one, then he gets one, then or should we just? You guys can answer? compete against one another, or you can work together. See, it's I really... think working together would be funnier because I'm pretty sure I know them all, and that's <laughs> less fun. So I'm surprised. Um, I'll go first. Uh, okay, excellent. Um, great comment of. Tw- 1812 that'd be that's the first one that's, that's one, one. Have won. ding 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 uh, come from away come from away ding 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 there's two more well w- technically one more <laughs> bandstand no, no. Uh, gra- was it was it groundhog day <laughs> yes it was groundhog day groundhog day and then dear evan hansen <laughs> and then dear evan uh, hansen did bandstand really not get nominated Nah. Um, not that year. I don't know if it was a different year, but it definitely wasn't that year. No, that I, just thought same, I thought it was that, that year. That was the same year, but it didn't get not. It got, yeah. Are you fucking that kidding? Surprising? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just pre postemptively angry about that now. <laughs> <laughs> I know they played that Tony's because Andrew was like actually enjoying himself. <laughs> um, nope. It was against Come From Away, Great Comet of 1812, and Groundhog Day, which I just, how Dear Evan Hansen won over Come From Away or 1812 is just beyond me. I mean, like, I should really? be saying Groundhog Day because I'm a part of my brand, I guess, is being an Andy Carl stan. <laughs> Andy but. Carl stan. Well, how do you feel about Ben Platt beating Andy Carl? There we go. Is that maybe he, maybe Andy Carl's in the movie? Maybe Andy Carl could play Connor's dad. Let's we have to refilm it. Who do we talk <laughs> no, to no, he should he should happen? just play he should play Deer. He should play Deer. <laughs> should play the deer. role of Deer of Evan Hansen. <laughs> should, I mean, he might as well. I mean, he kind he of should just the play. Range, does he not? He should just play <laughs> Phil Connors trapped in the Deer of Evan Hansen universe. <laughs> Okay. And he just keeps reliving the letter every day. What is Connor's sister's name? Zoe, Chloe, Cynthia, or Heidi? Zoe. Uh, He hates the show so much and he knows it so much. Okay. Question for you. 
which one of these characters in Dear Evan Hansen is queer? Is it A, Evan Hansen, B, Connor Murphy, C, Alana Beck, or D, Jared Kleinman? Depends on some shit. Um, because I'm pretty sure in the movie they're going to say retcon Connor to be gay. Um, <sighs> yeah, and they're also, I'm pretty sure they're going to make Jared gay as well. Um, <sighs> yeah. Those are the representation crowbars that they're doing. <laughs> Anyways, the correct answer was uh, E, none Alana, of them. Right? None of these characters are queer. Oh, that's no, what I was thinking, was I didn't think that that was... actually queer. But the internet thinks that uh, Evan Hansen is. Okay, yes. so, so right as soon as the movie trailer dropped, I feel like the discourse on Twitter was everybody being like, oh yeah, guys, Evan Hansen is not like the gay little love story that you thought it was. I don't know why people thought that it was that. It's like, I don't really listen for to forever. Be More Chill, but if you listen to Michael in the Bathroom, I feel like you can tell 15 seconds into that song that it's hella gay. Right, and Dear Evan Hansen just does not have those same vibes. This this musical is super hetero, bro. <laughs> it has the no homo song, but not because we're gay. No, oh, not because we're gay. We're, gay. No, it's... we're friends, but in a way, the only man that I love is my dad. He did it. But um, anyway, Jess loves this musical. That's what I'm leaving. I this. hate this musical Jess so much. I just loves this musical. Is what I'm. No, it's with. just that if you are gonna hate on something, you have to know your shit <laughs> and have your facts ready, so that if people are gonna be like, "Well, you didn't really understand," I'm like, "Motherfucker, I bet I can win a trivia contest against you on this." You did. You guys did pretty well. Um, my last trivia question was, "What is the plot?" But we already did that, so it's fine. Don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> Again, before we get into the very negative aspects of probably what is about to come, um, I think Dear Evan Hansen as a musical is important in its role in history because it really, really helped bring young audiences back to Broadway, which has really not been a thing for a very, very long time. But it was a show geared towards teenagers. It seemed to land really well with teenagers. Um, and I mean, considering it, opened in 2016 and is still coming back in 2021 as, like, the heavyweight, like, one of the heavyweights. I think that is super impressive. I mean, you got Come From Away, too. I mean, we, I listen, we also have Come From Away, which is better in every possible notion. But I think... Freestyle Love Supreme? We can't properly discuss Dear Evan Hansen without discussing the fact that it's, like, it's geared towards a younger audience. So I'm mostly interested to hear what you guys have to say. But also, I am I would like to connect it all back to that. And I'm curious. Right. I'm curious what this show has actually done and what it actually means to the, the teen audience that it's directed towards. And so with that, you may start the roast of Dear. <clears throat> well, I was going to say that it's really interesting because I was looking at some old old like news footage from 2016 and how they were talking about how Broadway was seeing the most ticket sales it had seen in quite some time mm -hmm. and they were talking it was it was the post Tony show so they were talking about how uh, there was no clear real front runner and then Dear Evan Hansen just kind of swept in there and got it out um, but you also have to remember that Dear Evan Hansen in the timeline of this renaissance it comes right after Hamilton so you yes. had that sort of, you had that entry of, oh, okay, cool. Maybe Broadway can be kind of cool. And so Hamilton was really big for taking Broadway and helping it make those steps forward. And then I think Darren Hansen, for all the shit that we give it, I think it was really <laughs> <laughs> the one that helped cement it. Because in this interview that I was watching, they were talking about Hamilton of saying, is Hamilton still like going? Is it still going strong? <laughs> Yes, it's still going strong because I'm visiting New York right. in the fall. And I was like, oh, maybe I can finally afford Hamilton oh tickets. Nope, still $500. They're available. I guess that's the difference. But they're still $500. So. That's just nuts. I think every 10 years we have the big kid musical that draws in kids. Mm -hmm. I really do believe that there is that one every 10 or so years that's aimed at young people that really hits with them and it brings them in. Um, before this, we had Spring Awakening. I was about before to say, don't Red. tell me that Spring Awakening was the precursor to Dear Evan Hansen. How dare you compare those two it is. The, the, it is. I am so sorry, but it is. I think Spring Awakening handles a lot of the same edgy topics that Dear Evan Hansen is trying to tackle, but it has an overall message that I think is overall good for kids, mm -hmm. whereas Dear Evan Hansen takes, tackles a lot of these topics, and I think the message it gives to children is actually very dangerous, very harmful, and not all that good. However... 
with that caveat, I don't think a lot of the kids that caught on with Dear Evan Hansen really knew what the plot was about. I think they latched onto that album, imprinted their own plot onto it, and then just kind of left it as that. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of kids that would love that cast album, and it is a great album. Having no idea what the plot is, then see the show and be angry. I had that happen at least three or four times with like people I knew. Yes, my experience with Dear Evan Hansen is that I've listened to most of the songs in the soundtrack many times. And like as as a reformed teenager, right, when I was a teenager, I was too cool to be a teenager. So it's like I latch mm-hmm. on to these things that are youthful sometimes. And I'm like, oh, my God, it me. Um, the cast album is really good and very emotional. And then you read the plot on Wikipedia and it's like, oh, what the fuck? Like, I think the story that they're trying to tell in the songs versus the story that's actually told on stage are just two totally different things. But like, Jess, what do you see as the message of the show? Like, what is what is the bad, misleading message of Dear Evan Hansen? The misleading message basically is about no one really cares about who you are, um, and it doesn't matter what actions you take to try to better yourself because everyone will forgive you and there will be no consequences. I think the fact that there are no consequences for Evan's actions in any meaningful way undermines every single bit of messaging that this is trying to tell. And this is from the 13 Reasons Why day, where that just glorified suicide to a point where a lot of people committed suicide. Whereas this is like, oh, if you kill yourself, people might like a version of you that they might think is better because you're dead. Um, And the fact that this never tries to humanize Connor, they never give justice for Connor, and they never represent Connor as an active human being outside of the uh, ghostly figure that Evan has created in his own mind aside from like the 10 minutes maybe at the beginning of the story, that disgusts me. And the fact is there is never any point where they do kind of reconcile that because I feel like at one point there was that and then they wanted to focus more on Ben Platt, the Ben Platt of it all. If you listen to the demos, you can tell that this was a much more nuanced version once upon a time. Um, The You Will Be Found originally was a song called A Part of Me, which was much more about like, Evan coming to terms with the fact that he didn't know who Connor was and trying to be vague about it instead of like this fucking disgusting like political message it has become with you will be found. But the fact is Connor wasn't found. Connor wasn't found. And you could see it as like a don't cry for me Argentina political message that you're supposed to be disgusted by. But you also have it as a hashtag on your goddamn poster. Um, (laughs) Right. So... That is the side of it that is really insidious. Um, have either of you seen the film World's Greatest Dad? No. No. It has a very similar premise to Dear Evan Hansen. Um, Robin Williams is in it. Bob Kai Goldthwait. Great film. But it's about Robin Williams, whose son is this really arrogant, horrible, mean child um, who accidentally kills himself through erotic, autoerotic asphyxiation. He comes upon his son, and to save him the embarrassment of having like that be the memory of his son, he writes a fake suicide note and says he killed himself. Mm. And from that, you get like the sympathy, and it's the same progression as Dear Evan Hansen mm-hmm. and the lies upon lies. But the initial reason for telling the lie was a pure thing that was good, so you kind of can follow it. Mm-hmm. Nothing about Dear Evan Hansen and Evan Hansen's actions about this comes from a pure place. It comes from hmm. both like I'm trying to be make ingratiate myself with this family or I'm nervous. But if you're nervous, you wouldn't be able to lie that well. I'm sorry. Right. And then you've got the people that are like, well, this is a coded autistic character. So that justifies his actions, which is a disgusting view. Right. Um, having autism, A, it is not in the text of the show. That could be a performative tick that mm-hmm. you brought in. It is not text, so you can't, it's not really representation. And even if it was, and they're using that as an excuse for his behavior, I don't know. I, I feel like having autism is just a thing that you have, and they're wonderful. It is not a reason to be a liar. Right. So going off of, uh, you brought up an interesting point about does Evan Hansen make his decisions? Like, do they come from a pure place? No. And see, I would counter you on that one because I think at the beginning, it does come from somewhat of a pure place. Like, I'm not going to say that Evan Hansen is like a great character because I don't think he is and I don't think he's meant to be. Um, But I would see it as like when, when Connor's parents bring it up, at first he does try to say, like that's not the letter <laughs> like i wrote that like that like he didn't write that letter to me mm-hmm. but then they just keep going and they keep bringing it up and so then i see it as evan is like oh okay 
I don't want to hurt these parents' feelings who's just, they lost their child. So really the bad guys were the adults all along. That's victim blaming, and I don't like that at all. I don't know, though, because the parents really do, like, project a lot onto Evan that he feels like he needs to keep keep building up on the lie. And then Evan that shouldn't just... have gone to that dinner to begin with. Oh, yeah. It just becomes worse when Evan starts realizing that he's getting that validation for it. And that's where it starts to get really bad. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, even just watching the movie trailer, they seem to give away a lot of the plot. And it's kind of just like, this is such a tangled web of lies that becomes so much yeah. more tangled. That there were so many opportunities. <clears throat> so many opportunities to get himself out of that he just didn't. Yeah. Um, but... Brendan, I feel like you kind of see it like as that our main character, Deer, is meant to be a symbol for what not to do. You think that he's supposed to represent that, right? That's how that's how I always watched it was like, don't do this shit because. Yes, but the thing is, it's if you're going like drug PSA, kids don't do this. There needs to be repercussions and consequences, which there are not. Right. And that's that's what I'm hoping they're going to fix in the movie is that there are more consequences for the end because it kind of just like it skips from uh, if I remember this right, it, it skips from he, he reveals that he like told the lie. Mm-hmm. Connor's parents and Zoe are like, fuck you, dude. And then he goes home. His mom's like, I still love you. And then they're in an apple field and he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, like no, no, real no, 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 guilt. no, no. He's not just fine. But Zoe comes up to him and is like, you made my family better. Thank you, Evan right. Hansen. Like, that's yeah. not good. Like, that's just no. <laughs> because here's the thing of like at my high school, it was a very small high school. It was probably 400 people. And sadly, we had, like, in the four years that I was there, and then also a couple years after, like, it was just a small town, so it was a really tight-knit community. But we had, like, sadly, friends of mine and students who, who died. And it was always interesting to see, especially as, like, we were getting more access to social media and more access to uh, these platforms, it, it would be interesting to see that same dynamic of... There was one one of my friends in particular who like nobody would talk to him and he was he was kind of that loner mm-hmm. and he, he had some health problems. And then one day the health problems just took over and he passed away. And it was interesting to see like I never claimed that I was like his best friend or anything, but it was just like, you know, it's one of those faces that you pass in the hallway and you're like, hey, how's it going? And yeah. you stop and we talk every so often. But then you'd have people who just never talked to him, who would almost like they do in Dear Evan Hansen, where they just paint this image of them as somebody that they want them, they want to imagine them as. Mm-hmm. And then it's like these people who would never talk to him, they get that validation of like, oh, look at me, I'm so caring. Like I, I was their best friend. Like this is what they would have wanted. Let's yeah. do this, let's do that. And so yes. it, it it was that thing of, I think that's where Dear Evan Hansen hits it on the head, is that that really is, sadly, how it goes. And then, like, sadly, weeks pass, months pass, and then people stop talking about it. And it's only the ones who still bring it up that were the ones who genuinely care. Mm-hmm. I will say that, but I think Evan Hansen does it much better with the character of Alana, who just kind of inserts herself in there exactly to have this closeness i think that's where it nails it but evan hansen is this strange catalyst of a non-existent figure right and it's just circumstances that are like so blown up but i know that uh i think it was pasik from pasik and paul because this is based off of a similar experience that he had Mm -hmm. in his in his school so maybe he was evan hansen Maybe this is just his, uh, that's not canon. <laughs> but this is I mean, who knows? Who knows if it will become canon or, or what the situation <laughs> is there. But now that's interesting, too, because right. I guess the musical came from a, a personal place. But it's, 
hard to turn those personal stories into like a bankable Broadway musical, which is kind of the other thing. I mean, we sort of talked about this with Hades Town that it's like, what's the like, where's that mix between art and commerce, right? And Jess, you were saying right. that the original album mm-hmm. versus what it is now is um, just totally different. So it's like, is the story the way that it is because this is what was going to work on Broadway? Because it's just like, it feels like such a flawed story. Like, if you look at the basic aspects of it, it's like, okay, this kid lies throughout the whole thing and then he has no consequences so it's like on the like just looking at like the basic plot like it is that that's what the kids would call a problematic at best let me say the thing that bothers me the most about evan hansen outside of the story is the framing if they had framed this as like this dark satire kind of more in the line of something more aimed for adults about teenagers Mm -hmm. um I think I'd appreciate it a lot more for what it's trying to say about social media and relationships and all of that. But the fact is, this is marketed to children. There was a young adult novel written for Mm -hmm. children. This is a musical made for children where it's spitting all these things. And you can say, oh, it's just satire. Well, it stops being satire once you start pushing it towards kids. Right. And then that's what you got this 13 Reasons Why issue where people start killing themselves. Right. I, I've definitely never known Dear Evan Hansen to be satire, and I've definitely listened to the album and thought, like, oh, this is, it's for teens, and I've no, I've sent certain songs to people who have sent it to their teen nieces of, like, hey, you're going through something, and here's this song that I think you would relate yeah. to. Like, it's, it's very, very much geared towards that audience. I mean, even from, what, five years ago? Like... The experience I had listening to this album when I was younger versus now is is very different. It's very, very much geared towards that audience. And right. I think, yeah. No. Right. And we're talking about all these things in the show, but we're not even mentioning the legit sexual assault that happens in the midway through Act 1. Oh, is there sexual assault in this show? I mm, yeah, Evan I'm gonna kisses trigger warning Zoe myself. without her consent. <laughs> Let me. Right. He kisses Zoe without her consent. Yeah, and she kicks him out of the house, and then by the end of Act One, she's like, "Oh, I love you now because you made my me feel closer to my on brother. her it's on her disgusting. dead brother's bed on her dead on her, brother's yep. bed. Yep. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's a disgusting scene. Mm-hmm. And then he still and I gets think, the girl by the and end I of Act think One. That, and I think that ties into like the big the bigger problem of it's kind of what we've been talking about. Where if you're listening to the songs or you're looking at Dear Evan Hansen. Uh, if you're looking at Evan Hansen just as like a symbol alone, like I can totally see how it would be a symbol if you haven't seen the show. But once you place it in the context of the show, then it becomes a problem. Icky. Right. Ooh, that makes me super. Because I could totally see it as like, oh, this is Evan. Like, I've never seen the show, but I, I guess that he like deals with being an outsider and having like social anxiety and being isolated. And I identify with that and I want to be like Evan Hansen, but then you might watch the show and then it's like, Oh, that's different. And I get that defensiveness from kids that likely love the album that are like, I I have this personal connection to this. How can you attack this? And I'm like, have you seen the show though? Uh, Have you read what happens? Do you, do you have the, the full context? And so then it's the question, like, that context is the key. Because, I mean, me, I love the song Waiting for a Window. Wait, yeah. wait, what? Waving through a window. Waiting I for, a window. for a window. I, <laughs> waiting for a window. It's like Amazon Prime Day. The delivery um, guy said he would be here between 3 p.m. and 8 p.m. And it's Andy Carl in his UPS outfit. <laughs> it's Andy we Carl. found a knock, knock, knock knocking on the door. I'm waiting for a window. Whoa. <laughs> Why can't I not see? Um, <laughs> Is there not a window staring back at me? <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But anyway, I, I, like, I love the song Waving Through a Window because through high school, I felt alone and I felt that same way. And mm-hmm. so it was that thing of I connect deeply to that song because it 
it touches on something that I experienced that hope happily I was able to get myself out of. I agreed. Um, that song, I also, when I first heard that song, would listen to it all of the freaking time right. because I related to it very, very strongly. And I was like, this song gets me. And like, I think it exactly. legitimately helped me through a very difficult period of my life. But guys, was- but guys, do you, do you get it? The, the window is social media and it's the window is his phone. <laughs> Um, well, now I get it, but I think that's it. I think the story told in the music versus the story actually told on stage is just so different. It's just so... And I think that's the problem of why people are thinking that it's a, a show that deals with uh, homosexuality and becoming confident with who you are, too. Mm-hmm. It's because if you're listening to For Forever, you can honestly get that without watching the show. Yeah, I mean, I've gotten, I had a whole narrative in my head of what I thought the show was just from listening to the mm-hmm. album, and it's just such a different ride <laughs> versus the actual. Uh, a bunch of people wrote a better musical yes. while listening to this album. A bunch of people crafted a narrative. Actually, that would be a really fun crowdsource project. Like, listen to this cast album and, like, write me a three-paragraph synopsis of what you think this musical is. Actually, that would be a, a really fun project to yes. work on. And we could see, just make a... Uh, uh, we could make it like we could go into the backstory on Connor Murphy and we can just call it Sincerely Connor Murphy. I thought the show was about him like in way more. I thought way more of the songs were sung by him. I was like, I I don't know. I thought there was a time travel element. I'm like, what happens in this <laughs> musical? They go back great? and they get the Tesseract and then, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I thought Connor they got the their hands. and then it was hidden in the baseball glove. Is that not, is that right. not what happened? Samuel L. Jackson shows up and he's <laughs> like, I'm here to talk to you about the Connor Murphy initiative. Exactly. Yo, shaving cream on the glove for a week. What if that's what we were? You know that, <laughs> that's a song that I forget is in this musical every time I watch it that I'm like, fuck this song. <laughs> That's the song I listen to, and it's like, hey, Brendan, guess what? You don't have a dad either. <laughs> um, I'm going to make this joke five minutes late. Jess, you were like, oh, have you guys seen this movie? What was it called? Uh, World's Greatest Dad. I was like, Brendan and I don't have relationships with our father, so we don't relate to the title of that movie. Yeah. Why would I watch that? Happy Father's Day, Father. Oh, my God, it's Father's Day. We're recording on Father's Day. Wow. Can I be your guys' dad? I would love to have two children like you. Please. Can I? Don't lie to me. I mean, we could could start this paperwork. Jess, you can definitely be our dad. That's okay. I'll sign the paperwork. Um, I am technically older than Brendan, so I could be your dad. Ooh. I mean, I don't... uh, Why are we waiting? (laughs) My children. My children. My children. My children. We've got to build a wall. (laughs) This this isn't what I wanted as a dad at all. (laughs) Um, I guess the next thing... I mean, last week we talked about In the Heights, which was delightful. And so we kind of touched in on this. I'm also worried about the film adaptation of Dear Evan Hansen because it just looks so... So bad! I'm, I'm going to use the word melodramatic. I'm not going to use the word bad. <laughs> I am. Because um, it just looks like it's going to be like a drawn out, like, and I get it. It's about, I mean, it's really not, but it's supposed to be a story about someone who um, kills themselves. So it, you know, can't be smiles and cheeries, salsa dancing in the swimming pool. I get it. But it's just like musical theater has this representat- representation of being like, too much and i just think a big budget movie like this being marketed to like the general audience is just i don't know i don't know that i like that i don't know that i want dear evan hansen to be the figurehead for what musicals are and for what broadway is because it's just like there's just a bunch of kids whining about their feelings that's all theater is anyways let's move on and make another uh i don't know big budget action i'm more worried that I'm more worried that's what they think that children are like. Like, I, the kids are smart. They are very, very smart. Mm-hmm. They are not these dumb... It feels like a musical aimed at dumb kids, as d- bad as that sounds. Uh, but kids are very, very smart. They're able to catch on to bullshit, and they're going to feel pandered to by this movie. I well, feel what it I, already. Yeah, mm. that's what I felt watching through the trailer, too. It's like I talked about last week, where it feels like... It feels like one of those early 2000, like like mid 2000s rom-coms, like teen rom-coms, where it's just over. It's like a Paper Towns. 
<laughs> a friend of mine summed up the look of this movie in a way that I think is just perfect. It looks like an SNL digital short. Oh, yeah. But, and <laughs> after hearing that, I could not unsee it. That's what it looks like. What was the uh, what was the other friend who said that they thought this was based in a community college? <laughs> that was my girlfriend. Was it? Uh, yeah. She was like, is this about a community college? <laughs> because no one's in high school and they actually have people who are young enough to be cast as high schoolers in movies now. And that's crazy. Let's talk about that. The thing is, who wants to Caitlin talk about Dever casting? Looked... Oh, I, I mean, Caitlin Dever. Come on. We could have found a much better Zoe. And the guy that played Connor, that, it just isn't right. He has no personality to him. And those are my only casting notes. Okay. Brendan, you're next. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm. Uh... Yeah, we're, we'll see where it goes. We'll see what happens. It, it's better casting than 2019's Cats. I'll give it that. <laughs> is, it, is it though? Yeah, I would have liked it, to see Rebel Wilson as Evan Hansen. You see, I'm glad James Corden isn't there, but for his role, he was casted well. Like cast, cast well. And cats? No, and Evan Hansen in Dear Evan Hansen, he has a cameo <laughs> in Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, wouldn't that be great? As Bust for Jones. As Buster <laughs> for Jones. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, I'm Bustafer Jones and not skin and bones. It's Connor's funeral. In fact, I'm impeccably fat. And then the uh, the Broadway stars from the prom movie musical come in and insert themselves into this narrative also and are like, this is important. Wow. Suicide awareness. And James Corden is back, yo. Whoa, but this is cast. not about me. It's about dear Connor. It's about dear Connor or who? Uh, who is this musical actually about? It's not super clear. Yeah, Ben Platt is miscast and was only put in due to nepotism because his dad's producing it. I feel I like we've all thing. talked about that to death. Yeah. That's fair. We don't have to talk it to death. I just think if they would have <laughs> kept his hairstyle the same, I would have been a little bit more forgiving. I, I feel like the thing he described, he's like, I lost a ton of weight. I like wore these like like binding shirts I, I shaved my head and got the hairstyle and I'm like motherfucker you should have stayed chunky and kept your baby fat you would have looked younger the fact that you lost weight looks like you've been like right. periodically smoking cigarettes when you're not in school <laughs> I also loved that Ben Platt's response was go watch Grease as if that's like a good argument for like <laughs> adults playing teenagers in movies because you go back and you watch Grease and those guys look like they're like 45 wow my favorite movie musical Greece. Greece, what the golden standard to compare all movie musicals again. I want the highly problematic change yourself for a man narrative of Greece. Yeah. Will we ever top Greece as far as musical movies go? Well, I think it's too I'm I'm glad that you acknowledged Jess that um teenagers are not dumb people because as a teenager I also always really fucking hated Greece. <laughs> it's like people like like teenagers aren't dumb. They're very intelligent and they have their own worldviews. Yeah. And it's like I can understand that the narrative that I'm being told was crafted by adults who thought this is what I wanted and it's not at all what I'm interested in. Please go away. <laughs> Can we take a quick cul-de-sac into, like, I'm real sick of millennials shitting on the young people just because they're young. You're acting just like the boomers. I love kids. I learned so much from the kids. <laughs> Give me more. Like, I love hearing what they've got to say and their point of view on things. And they're much smarter than I was at that age. So that, was the, that was the oldest sounding sentence I've ever heard in my life. Hey, I, I love that's our fellow dad. kids. You better respect Yeah, him, motherfucker. Right? Oh my God. It's Father's Day. Where's youths. my gift, bitch? <laughs> I love the youths. They're so great. I, I mean, I, I'm not even trying to be like, I know them or I am a part of them because I know for a fact I'm not. But I love hearing what they have to say and what they do and their point of view on things. It is much more interesting than the same old millennial point of view of like, what house am I part of Hogwarts? No, fuck you people. Stop, stop. You you had your time on the internet. Let the youngs be cool for a bit and let them have their hyper fixations and all that. It's time for us to step back, watch and learn as opposed to like, I'm still involved. Right. <laughs> It's a nice thing if we're heading in the right direction, which is good. 
Yeah, I agree. And, like, stop making fun of the pronouns. Stop all that. They're, they're so much smarter and they're way more headed than us. And I'm sorry it's not, we're not the progressive ones anymore. Cry more. But it's good because the next wave is even more progressive, which is even, exactly. which is great. It's like, pick up the mantle. Then if it isn't, so if Dear Evan Hansen wasn't the Broadway show of, you know, this decade that properly appealed to young people, which one was? <laughs> Hadestown, probably. Hadestown, probably, yeah. Or, or like, come from away. It's a story that's not, like, Hadestown is a love story, not targeted towards teens, but it's, like, a true, honest, well, not honest. I mean, it's, like, it's a very emotional piece of theater, like we've discussed it's time mature. and time again. It's, like, it's the thing of, uh, it's a fairy tale. Like, it's based off of those Greek myths mm-hmm. where, you know, it's that star-crossed lovers and it's that cliched thing of, oh, we're meant to be together. Like, it's meant to be true love. Mm-hmm. But they do it in a way that's believable and that's human. Right. And that it's like, it, it rolls and out stylized. authentically. Yeah. yeah. It's right. not just it's not just pandering towards the youths. <laughs> right. But then again, we I do want to spend a asterisk on the show that the youths pushed to Broadway that wouldn't have, which is Be More Chill. If not for the kids really backing that show and really posting about it and getting the attention on their tumblers and all that as you should but there was a lot of people using their fan art as a way to promote that and that eventually catapulted that from like that new york stage that just had a quick cast recording recorded the day after closing to an actual broadway show Mm -hmm. which yeah it wasn't like the biggest groundbreaking thing but that's not nothing right it was the same thing that saved the same thing that saved beetlejuice uh Mm -hmm. yeah that kind of saved Beetlejuice. I kind cry. of saved it. Just a little bit too late. Just a little time. too late that they found TikTok. <laughs> they would have found TikTok a little bit sooner. They would have had it. But where is Sophia and Caruso's vape? <laughs> God, where is it? It's my favorite backstage myth is that she got she like got fired because Alex Brightman saw her vaping. My favorite myth. <laughs> Sophia, stop vaping! Sophia, stop! You have an entrance. But when looking at Dear Evan Hansen too. It's also worth acknowledging that it was made at a different time before a lot of this, like, before we really, I think, for myself anyway, before we really became, like, politically aware <laughs> of things. That's how I, that's I, mean, how like, I feel. Like, that was, was like, mm. okay, like, like, I, like, because that's before things got, like, really bad. Because who got elected in 2016 and was like, Do you oh, guys wow. remember who hosted the 2016 Tonys? And who, yeah. Yes. It was 2017 Tonys, but yes, I remember. Right. Yeah. It's the that last year. time I watched the Tonys, too, and I'm just like, oh, Because a lot of stuff came after Dear Evan Hansen that completely changed the So Dear Evan Hansen ruined America. Pretty much. That's what we've. That's the conclusion. Dear Evan Hansen ruined America. Yes. And, they, and roll in the, the credit. Universe where Great Comet won. Um, Trump lost. We have President Clinton <laughs> had, entering her second term right now. <laughs> I like thinking about it. Is that the the butterfly effect of the the effects of the last five years were actually just who won the Tony for? It was because of Natasha Pierre. Yeah. And it's like it's it's that it's that big brain meme. It's just like if if Great Comet won the twenty seventeen Tony, right. where would we be today? <laughs> um, <laughs> because go that's make a also meme. a show that debatably got snubbed. Not debatably, that I think everybody agrees. Like, oh my god, it ended got so way hard. before its time, and it's just disappointing that it's like it's like that one didn't. Yes, that one didn't. Live but there's out. also the. the the racial element that kind of caused its closure. Yeah, which that was a not- big unmotivated and it that director um as talented and wonderful she is there is a pattern developing with her and that issues have been brought up into her other shows as well where yeah there's a series of bad looks there as too i know so little about any of this i don't know anything about 1812 like what yeah Dive deeper into that. Um, a couple of her former crewmates have said racism um, against her. Um, like, there is, of course, that um, Oak situation with Mandy Patinkin, which is... That was a weird situation to begin with. But then apparently one of the people on Town said that they were fired just for being black. And they were a costume designer. And they called out Rachel Chavkin personally. And she issued huh. an apology. I remember this. It was a really weird situation. And they brought up in there that that was also a race-related issue with her. And brought up the Oak situation. Huh. And I'm like, oh. That's really okay. interesting. 
Because I haven't seen, I don't know, maybe it's just because I haven't dived deeper into it, and I could be completely off base on this, but I don't know. I always thought, like, Chafkin was more of the, like, like ran with the diversity, and that was one of the big things. I, I agree with that. I, I really do, but I have seen it brought up by people that have collaborated of color, and it has been brought up more than once. Right. So it's the question of, is it deliberate? Or is I don't it think just, it's deliberate. Like, but that's, it that's is the big a look. Right. Yeah. And even I if think it's, it's not deliberate, like, it's still harmful. Yeah. It's yeah. still worth addressing and fixing. But, right. Yes. And that's good that she apologized for it and, like, moves forward. Because it could be, like, you could take the approach of, like, I can only imagine what Scott Rudin would have said. <laughs> like, he probably would have Scott just... Scott Rudin wouldn't have said anything. He would have just stepped down. Because <laughs> I could see it as Rudin would have, like, doubled down and said, this isn't a problem. <laughs> You're the problem for thinking it was a problem. Yeah. And I will say that she did not say that. Um, have you guys ever read Heath Saunders' um, open letter um, about representation in Broadway? No. Um, he was a part of Great Common and all that. It's a great, great essay. Um, highly recommended. Mm-hmm. Where he just feels like a lot of black bodies are being used to fulfill, basically going in in white face and pretending to be these, stepping into white roles when there aren't any people of color roles being written for people of color mm-hmm. by people of color. Mm-hmm. And the notable exceptions were um, like uh, Strange Loop and Slave Play and all those. And I noticed that despite him being in Grey Comet, that was not one of the things listed. <laughs> Which, that is an issue. Mm-hmm. No, we started talking about it a little bit last week within the Heights, and I think it was it was really before there was a lot of um, criticism posted online about the, la- the lack of Afro-Latin um, representation in that movie, which is valid. Like, I'm never going to tell people who say I don't feel represented in a movie um, that they're wrong. I have my own opinions about that situation, which is wholly different. Um I, I guess I can spit that here because there's too much exposition already. Yep. Um, but I do find it suspect that, let's say, when Andrew Lloyd Webber produced Cats, no one came for blood at him for the casting decisions of James right. Gordon, Rebel Wilson, and all that. They all came for Tom Hooper. Or for when the Les Mis movie came out um, and Russell Crowe and Hugh Jackman were willfully mm-hmm. miscast and not the correct representation there um they come for tom hooper but when we do in the heights we don't go after the director there we go after lin-manuel miranda because he's the successful one he's the rich one um it it was a weird look for me i i didn't quite understand that one no well i think it's just it's the same i think it's just the problem of if you think like lin-manuel miranda is deliberately racist like (laughs) How, well, how can no, you, how the can thing you think is, that? what world do you think of where the producer has casting decisions? That too. Right. Um. And it's also just the problem of, like, again, coming as, you know, white male. What do I know? Um, I see it as, like, this was Lin-Manuel Miranda's story of when he was growing up in the Heights, too. And I don't, like, like it. I don't know, it wasn't on purpose is the big thing. And I think that when it came to apologies, I think that Lynn probably gave one of the best apologies that you could for that situation. Where he the said, question is, why was it him apologizing when it wasn't him that directed the film? It should have been right. the director, the writer, and everyone coming together to sign right. the apology themselves. He right. fell on that sword for no reason, and that's what kind of bothers me about that. Right, but I think like kind of what Brendan just said, it's like it wasn't... It wasn't deliberate, but if people still took issue with it, um, I think that their criticisms and their sadness is is totally valid. But like in talking, it's totally about it valid. Heights, I mean, the thing that the thing that it did versus what we were talking about before is that it was telling um, Latino stories, but written by Latino people, which is what is not happening on Broadway, right? It's like stories written by, produced by white people, and it's like, oh, but we cast some black actors, and so that's yes. representation, and that's it's that like is the token. Not, yeah, this is act. This is why yeah. I started crying this is the exact conversation we had last week that's why i started crying brandon um because it's just like you can't put people of color like we're i'm so glad that hamilton was revolutionary in colorblind casting and that in the years since like we've come to be like that is nowhere near enough like it was so important to have that step um but we have so much further that we need to go for the actual bits of representation and i right. don't know dear evan hansen is just a story by white people for white people so yeah <laughs> right 
uh, very, uh, very representative of of Broadway and in all of its findings. The way of broads. The way of the broads. Um, any closing thoughts on Dear Evan Hansen? I can't wait to do our review episode on the movie. Oh, I was like, when does the movie come out? How many months before I have to talk about Dear Evan Hansen? <laughs> like it's, three months. Yeah, we've got plenty of time, plenty of new release trailers. I don't hate this musical. I mean, I feel I've never seen it live, obviously. Um, I have no intention of seeing it live. I think that the message it presents is vaguely problematic. I think if you're a teenager and you get something out of the show, that's great. But I also think we could do a much better job of telling a story of suicide right. on stage that's not this. But no matter how we cut it, it played an important role in being that that gateway drug show for a lot of kids who wanted to get into musicals. Because I know a lot of people who it's like, Dear Evan Hansen, then they went on to Be More Chill or other shows like that. So it started the snowball. And then there's shows like Beetlejuice and Mean Girls, my personal favorites. I know Jess doesn't like Mean Girls, and I love it. So we can talk about that another you're, time. You're, you're allowed to like Mean Girls. <laughs> it, 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 it's perfectly fine. I, I, I just want to say, just because I don't like something and I have opinions, feel free to like it. It's all good. You, if it brings you joy, <laughs> that brings me joy. Did everyone hear that? He gave me permission to like what I want to like. Thanks so much, Jess. I didn't give you permission. I gave the audience permission. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. you're not. Not allowed to like it. <laughs> You're my child. I, I I have to tell you. Dude, what to okay, like. audience. Daddy Je- Daddy Jess says that it's okay for you to like what you want to like. Just make sure you run yeah. it by him first, so he knows. You gotta it. run it by <laughs> me. I gotta I gotta give him the approval. If you want to like uh, Dear Evan Hansen or Mean Girls, you can uh, tweet at what's your Twitter handle? <laughs> Jesse D McAnally, because I tweeted too much about Jagged Little Pill and lost my old Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, the way they handled it was disgusting that that's the biggest issue yet it's it was shitty in the first place and then they just doubled down on their shittiness it's like fuck you guys that's not how we do this yeah and that's coming up on this season of too much exposition exactly i will say there i have my one joke about jagged little pill because that shit went down the same week that elliot page um came out as trans Mm -hmm. so i was like wow at least juno is a diablo cody written thing with a trans actor in it finally to close out our episode we want to start a segment where we focus on smaller regional theaters around the country and maybe around the world um because i think brendan and i really like to bash broadway for not being good enough but in order to properly do that i would rather discuss other theaters that are doing a better job than broadway or just other theaters in general because so much theater is produced in america that never makes it to a broadway stage that is important and valuable and inaccessible because it exists only in one place and to the people who live in that town and so today jess um gave us two theaters actually to talk about what would you like to intro um the first one i want to talk about is the detroit public theater which is um, local in my area, one of the best like public theater, and they do like a variety of different things. They do like jazz, they do plays, um, and it was also one of the last things I went to before COVID mm. was their production of Hedwig and the Angry Inch that performed at the other theater I'm going to recommend, the Planet Ant Theater, which is a much more kind of edgy, kind of cool college black box theater where they put on like these incredible plays and musicals that are like so out of left field of what you would expect from like Detroit. Um, two wonderful theater companies pr- producing incredible work. I can't wait to get back out there now that COVID is hopefully in the past rear view. Yeah. How, uh, how but- are things for you guys? I mean, in California here, we're doing some theater outside in the summer, like very little, but we're doing some theater and it seems to be back in full swing in the fall. Um, I have a lot of friends currently starring in a lot of plays and getting invited, but they're all outdoors. So I'm mm. hopefully going to go see an outdoor production of Spelling Bee at the end of next month and Yay. another production of uh, Something Rotten Outdoors, where my f- one of my good friends, Perry Devin Corker Jr., um, is playing uh, William Shakespeare. Oh, um, my God. That's amazing. He was in like one of my first short films, and now I get to see him as Shakespeare. It's going to be great. That's amazing. 
Uh, no, these theaters seem super cool. The Detroit Public Theater has a program where they work with incar- incarcerated and formerly formerly incarcerated yes. people to produce Shakespeare shows, and they've kept funding um, to that through COVID, trying to keep in contact with those people um, and help them use Shakespeare as a way to communicate and alleviate the stress of this period of time. Um, so I wanted to call them out for that, which is really cool. And the Planet Art Theater seems just like a really dope spot to go watch some comedy or see a show or display your oh, art. Yeah. Um, two places I would love it's to like visit. It's like attached to a bar, too. It's like attached oh, to a bar, so you just God, go in and you get your beer. Then you go into the black box <laughs> and you're like half tipsy. And then the person playing Hedwig holds your hand during singing Midnight Radio and you're just too buzzed. And you're like, oh, this is amazing. This is amazing. I will marry you. Let's go. You want to get out of here? <laughs> okay, can I tell this story before we wrap yes. up? I know I like, um, but I go to see um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch at the Planet Anne Theater through the Detroit Public Theater, and I tend to make direct eye contact with people. And since Hedwig is like a show, a one-person show, um, it happens a lot. And then during Midnight Radio, I'm sitting on the edge of the aisle. He had to reach over an old lady to grab my hand and stare at me for a bit. My girlfriend and her father are on the other side of me. And, or, she just turns to me like, did you know him? I'm like, I don't think so, but I think I do now. now you're, yeah, you're connected now. <laughs> and then he met, added me on Facebook, and he's like, man, I loved your podcast this week. Oh my god, oh, that's wow. crazy. <laughs> oh wow. It was incredible. Um, you had a real celebrity moment while watching that show is what you said. I, I mean, I just thought, hey, there was the eye contact. And then later I was like, oh no, you know me. Okay. He probably went to the back and he's like, oh my God, guys, Jesse from Musicals with Jesus out there. Oh my, oh my God, God, Jesse I from Musicals with Jesus out there. Oh my God. Oh my God. Daddy Jess is out there. <laughs> Daddy Jess. <laughs> Hashtag Daddy Jess. Hashtag that's it. Hashtag Daddy Jess. Um, hashtag Daddy Jess. Dear Daddy Jess, uh, we've been way too out of touch. <laughs> I like that we both did the musical part and we both did it wrong. <laughs> that's. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave in that overlapping Speak audio. Speak for sound yourself. <laughs> Do not fix any of it. Don't fix any of it. It might sync up perfect. It might. We'll find out. Um, Jess, where can the people find you on Twitter? so that they can ask for your permission um, to watch things. And where else can we find you on the internet? To enjoy things. <laughs> they don't need my permission to watch. Oh, okay. They need my permission to enjoy Thank you for them. clarifying. Um, I'm going to watch a movie tonight. <laughs> if I if I like it, I'll let you know. I'll f- D- no, DM me and I'll give you permission. To oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> As your father, I must. Okay, great, great. This is why I don't have a dad. This sounds horrible. <laughs> I don't like this bit. Yeah, this is what... <laughs> Um, actually, all I need to do to be a father presence in your life is to wear my socks all the way up to my knees and chew pretzels really loud. Um, so I feel like I'm already halfway there. Halfway there. What a specific, what a specific image. Again, Brendan and I don't relate, so we have no idea if that's is that a dad older. thing. Is that what dads do? Yeah, yeah. I, I grill a lot and I swear in very uncomfortable ways that kind of <laughs> makes the entire family trip real. It just ruins the family trip. I'm also going to just bite my thumb so everyone knows that I'm angry. Can you hit on all, all the waitresses at all the restaurants that you stop at? No, but I do go into uh, restaurants and every time I go into a restaurant, I know their name. It's really amazing. It's a trait that all dads have. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, their names are always Dollface. Ah. Well, there's nothing wrong with being friendly. Oh, God. Oh, Lordy. Okay, internet hashtags. Um, dads are uncomfortable. Dads are very uncomfortable. In fact, maybe... That's not your Twitter. Dads. Plug your Twitter, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm on Twitter at Jesse D. McAnally, spelled M-C-A-N-A-L-L-Y, spelled McAnally. We all got it. Um, you can also find my podcast at Musicals with Cheese on all... St- um, podcasting things on the Broadway Podcast Network alongside Too Much Exposition. Um, that That's a pretty good show, too. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at, at Cheesy Musicals, spelled C-H-E-E-S-E-Y Musicals, because I wanted the word cheese in there. Because <laughs> I wanted the full word cheese, so I spelled it wrong. Um, you can find me on the internet at Gabriella Dazed. Please follow me on Twitter. I have like 30 followers. It's really embarrassing. <laughs> Am I going to get you? that yeah, up to 35? I'm not asking you. I'm asking the people. <laughs> I have such an embarrassing number of Twitter, Twitter followers. I need to fix it. Brendan. <laughs> What's up? 
He's like, what's up? Where can the people find you on the internet? Uh, you know, depends on the time of day. Oh my God. Um, you can find me <laughs> at Wait Wings on Twitter. Uh, also, uh, Wait in the Wings on YouTube if you like theater history deep dives. And you can listen to that podcast on the Broadway Podcast Network as well. Uh, Jess, thank you for coming on to our podcast and talking about a show that no you problem. hate for probably the tenth time. Maybe we'll have you back. For can the you all movie. talk about something that we like about, please? Oh, <laughs> I, let's end. I love a lot of musicals, guys. We want to end on a positive. Here's the let's end on a positive. I love Spring Awakening. It's the best musical ever, um, and the Deaf West revival was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Who's next? Just kidding. Uh, Paula Vogel's Indecent is the most beautiful piece ah. of theater that I've ever seen in my life. But Spring Awakening wow. is very near and dear really to me. Really close. Jesse, what's Brendan. your favorite show? Brendan, I asked you first. My favorite show is Fame. <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and on that um, note, we'll see you next no. week. No, <laughs> no, you bastard. Let me say something positive. Just end it there. Um, Just end it there. Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. End it there. Oh, <laughs> Let him speak. Let him speak. No. Um, I'm going to re- recommend two Broadway E things to you guys. Just things you might not know about. First one, if you guys have not listened to In Constant Search of the Right Kind of Attention by Laura Benanti, it's one of the best, like, one of those artists doing a vanity album ever. It's, like, one of the greatest things I've ever listened to. If you're having a long car ride, it'll make it go by faster. And also, I highly recommend Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki's podcast. Give it a listen. Very great. Her most recent episode is probably one of the most harrowing things I've ever listened to. Um, Broke my heart to shreds. You guys should listen to that. Um, And that's it. I just wanted to recommend two things from people I love. We'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.